Thank you all for coming along on this beautiful sunny day. I'd just like to say at first that astrology is, or one function it has, is to describe or comment on things that are happening. It's not a system in itself, necessarily, but it's a model used to understand all, all different variety of changes. In this talk, I'm going to be talking about what everyone sort of heard and and was popularised in the sort of 60s, the age of Aquarius. It seems to me that astrologers haven't said much about the age of Aquarius, whereas there's been a lot of songs written about it. So I thought I'd say something about it for that reason. Mostly from like impression of newspapers and the popular presentation of things. Astrology is considered only in its personal aspect. So it's like, what's your sun sign and what's going to happen today and that sort of thing. In more ancient times, that was relatively a minor function of astrology. It's prediction and depiction of cycles that happened in society, in politics, was one of its principal functions. That branch can be sort of under umbrella of mundane astrology, and that shows these changes in society. We're focusing now on a very long-term cycle, which one lasting 2,000 years. I think at that point I can go into some of the principles of astrology just very briefly so you've got an understanding of exactly the some of the technicalities what we're dealing about now one of the principles of astrology is an idea called the seed moment in time that is when something begins the nature of the moment shows how the cycle will unfold what will happen in that cycle and so really the whole of astrology is dealing with looking at these cyclic phenomena the other issue is that through looking at what's around you you can relate it to what's inside and in other words this is a holistic view of the universe in that everything is interconnected when we come down to procession of, of the equinoxes which is the cause of these cycles um, uh, these great ages of Aquarius which we're moving into the cause of this if you can imagine a, a top spinning top then if you spin it it would tend to wobble now the earth is, acts in the same way like a spinning top and so it begins to wobble around now it's this wobble that takes about 26,000 years to complete one wobble that causes this whole phenomenon of changes of ages now because we're dealing essentially with cycles then if you divide that wobble into 12 then we've got the same sort of setup as the 12 signs of the zodiac now an issue here to point out is that there are two kinds of zodiac which are mentioned one is called the tropical zodiac and that's what most people know when this is your sign or whatever and that is to do with the seasonal changes throughout the course of the year um, it is not specifically related to actual star configurations it's actually a cycle of the year in other words of the orbit of the earth around the sun now there's a point at the spring equinox when um, day and night are equal and that has a relationship with the actual uh, star signs unless the star signs proper it's the, the constellations so because the earth has this wobble 
that projected out you create a zodiac actually related to the stars now the tropical zodiac i.e. the seasons change in respect to that and so you get what's called the precession of the equinoxes this spring point gradually moves round the stellar zodiac now that's a bit difficult to describe without having a, like a clear model in, in front has everyone got sort of roughly the idea of what I'm getting at there? in talking about the age of Aquarius we're talking about the sidereal zodiac and we're talking about um, how the own individual earth is changing its relationship to that zodiac now so here we have Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer going around like that uh, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces now the way the equinox moves is actually backwards so as normally we go around this way the changes in ages are happening in that direction so at the present time the equinox is moving from Pisces into Aquarius now one thing about this is in the sidereal zodiac there's no real clear distinction between one sign and another sign so you can't exactly say when it's moving from one into the other it's a generalised thing, it's a very long term cycle and it's a bit like if you imagine a, a big hill where exactly would be the top of the hill it's pretty impossible to pinpoint exactly lots of people uh, make prophecies about this is the beginning of the age of Aquarius well it may or may not be but um, 2,000 years ago was where the equinox was just moving from Aries to Pisces and that was generally considered to be the beginning of the Christian era 2,000 years back from that, so 2,000 years BC we had the age of Taurus that was the age where like myths about King Minos and the bull lots of bull myths around related to Taurus as we go back then further the age of Gemini ends at uh, 4000 years BC and as we go back there we move in really to the Ice Age covering there so we're really looking at how we're moving as part of a cycle into Aquarius and that's we're in the process of it now in a zodiac you can never take one sign um, separate from the others everything forms a cycle as relationships with each other now I'm going to like extract a certain set of polarities and use it as a basic model in which to fit the occurrences that we're seeing in the present uh, day now any one sign there's an important issue with the sign opposite it forms like a polarity going across and also an issue with the signs squaring it so for the age of Pisces Virgo was also very important and then for the age of Aquarius Leo would be important the opposite sign forms what's called um, the shadow in that the sign uh, we're in is what's the obvious qualities and uh, this comes through primarily in really collective issues about religious symbolism so for instance in the age of Pisces Christianity's uh, first symbol was really the fishes the cross was taken up somewhat later so this is how the influence of the ages filters through to the individual first it influences like the, the collective psyche, the world as a whole 
and then gradually it focuses down. In the course of the talk, I'll be commenting about uh, rulerships and exaltations. Each sign is connected with a planet. Uh, one of them rules the sign and the other is called exalted. There's like an intimate relationship between the two. I haven't really got time to go into all the theoretical details to give full explanations of that, but that's sort of the general technical outline. Now additionally, I'll be using um, mythology to tell stories. Now myths were always used to tell symbolic stories. Um, it gives information in a symbolic way, like uh, the way of an artist. And so messages were recorded in myth, which were sort of, that can be quite alien to a sort of technical scientific culture we have nowadays. One of the um, principal myths I'm using is be drawing from Greek mythology, called, a character called Hercules, which you've probably all heard of. And he had 12 labours to perform and I'll be extracting some of those labours to hopefully throw light on how these signs come out and interact with each other. Right now, start with the age that we're just moving out of, which is the age of Pisces. Now, the age of Pisces, the, the qualities of Pisces are devotion. It's the sign of the mystic or the artist. It can tend to confusion because it's not a very logical sign in itself. So it might be said that after 2,000 years, society as a whole is slightly confused. I think that would be a, a, a fair depiction. Historically, it began with the beginning of the world religion of Christianity. Concurrent to that was uh, a major happening, really, in the world, in that the Roman Empire first built its bounds. There was a cultural shift of the centre of culture to Europe and that brought Christianity into focus in Europe. Later that went on to um, being the Vatican <laughs> and so there was like the Christian message in, in that got quite distorted because of political reasons because the Roman Empire obviously was a power structure. Now, the sort of, not the end result, but halfway through, you had what we know, now know as uh, the Inquisition. Uh, that really began with uh, the Cathars, who lived or congregated around the south of France. They really contained sort of the essence of the pure expression of the Pisces mysticism and believed and practiced a direct mystical knowledge of the universe. Now this was effectively stamped out by the Vatican. All in all probably about nine million people were killed in the Cathars and what followed. Because along with a quality of devotion, Pisces can also be linked to the phenomenon of fundamentalism. That is blind belief and everyone does not believe what is, is the orthodox or held belief must be wrong and in a religious context that means they're wrong in the sight of God and so that sort of somehow justifies any amount of uh, suppression directed at them. Now um, 
the Inquisition began about 1200 or so and lasted for a few hundred years and that leads us up into a setting of the Renaissance when really we've got the opposite sign coming into play a sign of Virgo now Virgo is a thinking analytical sign and in the general context that the direct mystical knowledge had been wiped out uh, quite effectively by the Vatican and so the truths that were held as being religious truths were really completely dogmatic they weren't based on direct perception or intuition they were superstitions and amidst that backdrop you had the Virgo backlash now Virgos are scientific, analytical and material and you had effectively a kind of scientific materialistic backlash to the whole devotional thing of Pisces out of the science then came the industrial revolution and again the mechanical kind of view to the world asserted itself more and more there was a migration from the uh, countryside into concentration in the cities and so the whole culture and society changed and took on a very mechanical, logical outlook to everything now um, this led on to finally what we now have the electronic revolution with computers, mass communication but an interesting change is now happening with that because as we move into the subtleties of, of what could be called the new science where we have like Einstein coming out relativity we have quantum physics with tiny particles acting in the most peculiar way not me mechanical at all we get a changeover in emphasis into a far more holistic viewpoint and it's seeing that changeover which really marks the shift of the science from an old mechanical science which is more connected with the Pisces Virgo to an Aquarian science where things don't act in a logical mechanical way at all but in a far broader outlook I'll begin to focus on actually Aquarius itself now again by the same nature of polarity we have Aquarius and Leo is opposite down here we have Taurus which is that square angle to it and up here Scorpio so each of these four signs all form a kind of dynamic interaction between them we can't really talk about Aquarius without talking about Taurus, Leo and Scorpio and the nature all comes in to formulating how this age of Aquarius is unfolding to focus in on Aquarius first uh, one myth associated with Aquarius is the Greek myth of uh, Prometheus now Prometheus was a godlike character who was responsible for bringing fire from heaven and giving it to mankind now symbolically what's that that's referring to the fire is intuitive consciousness in other words it's a descending spiritual force that gives people consciousness and light it can be reasonably linked with a planet called Uranus which is like in a more sort of personal reading is linked to um, sudden inspiration it's that kind of inspiration where suddenly you, you see the whole it's like a flash and so this kind of influence is coming to bear on Aquarius 
Now Aquarius has two planetary rulers. One is Uranus, which is like this Prometheus character that, that brings fire down to us. And the other is the planet Saturn. Now Saturn is far more organised and organises thinking, organises groups and generally compartmentalises life. In the two rulerships you have the two things influencing at once. So if we look around us now, it's like there are more and more groups from the United States, the Europe trying to form a group different minority groups having a voice, all organising into different groups. This is a general influence of Aquarius and the Saturn rulership of it. This necessity to divide into groups, compartmentalise. The other issue is how much inspiration will come through that so that these groups aren't simply mundane little, little units but are actually following some kind of intuitive insight. Now there's a relationship <coughs> that you can easily show of the nature of the two planets, Uranus and Saturn. I'll digress just slightly. The construction of the brain, you've got two hemispheres, the left and the right. Now the left-hand hemisphere uh, controls the right-hand side of the body and vice versa. The left-hand tends to be sequential logical thinking it will compartmentalise its emphasis is on logic the right hand side of the brain is concerned with holistic patterns it will tend to see relationships between things now one, the left hand side, thinks like a scientist logical scientist and the right hand side thinks like a creative artist true creativity is really the interaction between the two of those finding new sequences within uh, patterns and so like the left hand side the left hand side is, would really be connected with Saturn in many ways and the right hand side with Uranus so like the age of Aquarius with its dual rulership is very much indicating that a proper interaction between one side and the other is necessary now when the influence of Aquarius began to be felt with the revolutionary changes, the urges to science at the Renaissance. The original Renaissance ideal was to be both a scientist and an artist. Now because of the whole background to that, the repression of knowledge, the repression of intuitive knowledge, the backlash was equally logical. And so scientists now, the materialistic scientists, are rebelling against a superstitious religion and so they think they are at odds with any spiritual truths. Now, obviously the Renaissance didn't quite work out um, as hoped and so the situation we now have where if you think like a scientist you're at one extreme and think like an artist you're at another and it's very difficult in society to get a balance between those and so individuals that live within the society also find it difficult the methods of bringing these two into balance can be summed up by various methods of meditation and so on a big cultural scale meditation is beginning to be seen as more and more important in order to bring the two lines into balance because it is through controlling the mind 
controlling the actions and thoughts of the left hand side and bringing it into harmony with the right that greater intuitive truth can be brought through so effectively you can organise your minds and thoughts and so organise your lives in a way that will allow greater inspiration to come through the two are necessary if you have inspiration coming through and you're unorganised like you trip over the wire for instance then what good is the inspiration because you can't do it you know you're not organised enough grounded enough practical enough to actually fulfil that inspiration so on the other hand you are completely organised in your life but so organised you've blotted out any inspiration it's like it's a meaningless organisation what do you do with all that organisation? you have no sense of direction sense of meaning or sense of purpose so it's those two things that need to come into balance and that is very summed up by this positive quality of Aquarius now as I said for any sign there is an opposite sign which has really equal bearing and for Aquarius it's Leo now uh, in talking about Leo I'd like to use a myth from Greek mythology about uh, the fifth labour of Hercules now Hercules was like the epitome of the Greek hero and the whole myth of the heroic quest is when taken symbolically and internally really the quest at self-mastery and self-knowledge so the different encounters that the hero has on his path are symbolically an, an allegory of the qualities we encounter within ourselves as we try and first know ourselves and then master ourselves when Hercules had to fight a lion that had sort of was rampaging the countryside and causing all kinds of distress by eating people which wasn't too popular Hercules had to chase the lion round and round he was very difficult to catch and he finally cornered the lion in a cave had to block the cave up so the lion couldn't escape and go in without any weapons and wrestle the lion and kill it after killing the lion he skinned it and took the skin back and eventually used it as clothing he wore the lion's skin now if we look at that symbolically lion apart from anything is like the king of the beasts it has pride it has aggression <coughs> what we're really talking about in that fight is the fight between what we might consider our soul and the highest aspect of our animal nature now when the animal nature is developed when we have discipline, when we develop what also develops is pride the ability to assert, the ability to control now at some point in that, develop, in that development that pride has got to be mastered that aggression has got to be mastered in that symbol of Hercules fighting the lion it is essentially the, the lower pride of our animal selves being effectively killed and the essence of ourselves our higher self or our soul or, or whatever terminology people like to use taking control 
of all that's below it. It is significant that the skin of the lion is worn afterwards because that really is replacing. It's not, you don't just kill the lion and then forget about it because that's like uh, deriding the role of the animal nature. We all inhabit a physical being and that must be respected. But it's actually taking on the skin afterwards. It's like taking responsibility for controlling all the power which the lion symbolises that we can direct. In this sense, in the Aquarian Age, uh, what's talked about a lot about centering at the heart, and this is highlighting this issue. Now the heart is related often just to love, but it isn't just love alone. It is also, it's where we point to when we say ourselves, like me. I would point here, I wouldn't sort of point there, or point there, or point there. You know, you, you tend, your consciousness tends to live in your head, but you don't say I. If you, if you get my drift, you point here. It is who yourself is, like in residence. It is also aggression. In Chinese medicine, the heart is linked with the planet Mars to do with aggression. So it is also your will and your sense of purpose. Um, the sun, as centre of the solar system, is linked with the heart, as the heart is the centre of the body. Not the physical centre itself, which is lower, lower down, but if the heart stops, the heart is a great symbol that you're alive. And so this issue of centering on the heart and the heart being opened up to some kind of higher ideal is really critical to the age of Aquarius. It's only really when we're centered there that um, inspiration can really come into our minds because like fire from heaven which Prometheus symbolised, drawing down. The fire in heaven is, is the first fire we get to is the sun. So again we have this issue here. Now, in societies there's always been a, a myth of the solar king, which I'm not sure if any of you have heard of. But in essence this was the whole role of the king in ancient times. It's become sort of lost nowadays but the king was a mediator between heaven and his people. His role was to be both priest and the centre of the community. It's in that role that the heart plays, the sacrifice of one's personal ambitions for a more collective ideal. Now, unless that's accomplished in Leo, then what Aquarius comes out as is a kind of, okay, they've got great organisation and everyone's brother and sister but you've got a kind of George Orwell type situation where everyone was brother as well. Without that act of controlling the individual pride, without that act of controlling the animal nature, not through running away from it, and that's uh, suppression which is what happens a lot. You can't run away from the lion and pretend you haven't got one. You must actually get it, kill it and wear the skin. Unless that's done, then really what we have is a kind of ideological dictatorship. It might sound nice, the Aquarian ideals, but in that, unless that personal thing has happened, unless we're acquainted and fully centred in our own hearts, that is a complete depiction of the Aquarian age 
is a total dictatorship probably through mind control you know, a screen on every door on every, uh, in every room See, it's, it's like as the scientific knowledge develops understanding of the mind develops understanding of how we use energy develops which is all happening in modern science how will that be used? and it's in partly Leo that the critical factor of how that will be used is thought so the whole issue of centering on the heart which uh, a lot of meditation exercises and philosophies are geared at is a critical issue to how Aquarius will come out and next I'll move on to uh, Taurus now oppositions in astrology bring up the issue of balance and perspective so both things must be brought into balance from Aquarius to Leo the balance is between fulfilling oneself and fulfilling the needs of the community you're living in with squares the issue is slightly different it's direct crisis and confrontation now Taurus the planet rules Taurus is Venus and Venus is linked with nature Aphrodite in the Greek myths was the goddess of nature um, fertility, of love, of relationship nature as a whole and all its abundance in Taurus we, we have in case anyone hasn't noticed a rather large ecological crisis going on now this ecological crisis is very predictable from these relationships the ecological crisis is part of the age of Aquarius and the confrontation with that must be met if things are to go right now um, during the age of Pisces Virgo was very important and this analytical dividing things up it was material now Virgo forms a kind of relationship with Taurus which is relatively harmonious uh, they're both earth signs, they're both quite material the difference is that whereas Virgo will tend to split things up Taurus is far more holistic but not from an intellectual point of view, more from a feeling point of view Venus uh, rules art, it is synthesis by feeling so what in the age of Pisces was kind of okay in the age of Pisces we were faced with a, a very wild world which we had to survive in now has developed into a crisis point in Aquarius we've subdued nature and now you know not so much nature really that's in trouble because uh, nature will survive it's more a case of whether we survive which is, is of issue now during the age of Taurus from 2000 years BC to 4000 years BC if we look back in history that's the time of uh, the megalith builders that's when all the big stone circles were built, the pyramids were built and investigations into these show a kind of a whole association with uh, say magnetic or electrical lines of force, in other words earth energy, lines of earth energy 
it shows that they were very connected with seasonal changes they were used for ritual in other words the ritual was the centre of a community and so the community itself was very much tuned in to the land, to the earth and to nature through the use of the stone circles and these megaliths this is where all the indications are showing in other words in the age of Taurus this harmony with nature or a whole natural science was applied and the community was kept in balance with nature now so many years later we are in direct crisis direct confrontation with what once we could do easily there's a um, group I don't know if you've heard called uh, Fountain, Fountain International and they're a healing group who are directing healing to the community and how they do it is they choose the centre of a community a building or a hill or whatever and direct healing to that centre and it's been found that collective issues like collective crime actually improves when this healing is done in other words they're healing the, the community via the ley lines via the the patterns of energy in the earth now because Aquarius is a sign of groups a sign of communities we have an issue here with bringing the community into balance uh, with nature and so understanding what was done in these times is sort of critical to bring the community and so how people feel back into harmony with nature so we don't destroy the whole thing so really the ecological crisis unless that's done unless that's taken on board then the rest of the development of the age of Aquarius is going to be a little bit stunted and so that's why it comes out as the direct confrontation it must be done if things are to develop so here we've got like two things that have got to be done it can be connected with the issue with Leo because the destruction of nature is a large part of it is to do with with our arrogance and pride that humans know best humans are the only important thing humans are the hunters and so we hunt everything to extinction and then find there's nothing left so here we have this connection down here could sort of this would be a sort of a personal issue and ecology would be there now can I just ask one thing yeah sure the, where does Taurus fit in in that the opposite of Pisces is Virgo the opposite of Aquarius is Leo so how do we get Taurus fitting in why is Taurus of significance to us in this age because oh, we move from Pisces to Aquarius um, can you see it so when we're in Pisces the equivalent would be Gemini would have been of issue right so now we've moved in what sense in that it's square relationship square, yeah and that's, significant. that's right yeah you've got the opposition being significant and the square being significant mm. they would in fact all be significant but I'm just sort of focusing on just some particular ones for the purposes so of is, is um, Taurus and Gemini is it uh, opposite each other they're both squaring is that right? no um, Taurus is 
as a square relationship with Aquarius okay so I wasn't really talking about Taurus when I was talking about the age of Pisces no, that was um, with Aquarius I, I gathered yeah, so that was Pisces, I was just talking about its opposition with Virgo there yeah. and uh, I was leaving out the squares mm. sort of limitations with time and all that so and where does Gemini come in then? I wasn't talking about yeah, Gemini right. <laughs> yeah. I mean I could do it but that would expand things like yeah. loads so I was just leaving Gemini out. So what is the square of Aquarius? No, Pisces isn't squaring anything. Oh, I mm. A square is literally a square, it's 90 degrees. Mm. Yeah? Mm. So we've got. So now we're in Aquarius, and 90 degrees is there mm. and there. And that's sort of opposite. Yeah? Got the okay. Right. Does that confuse everybody? Is everyone thinking that? That's all alright. <laughs> no? Okay. A myth, right, the myth. The myth about uh, Taurus is the myth concerned with a bull. So going back to Hercules, there was a time he, he was set the task of capturing uh, a Cretan bull. Now um, he had to chase the bull all over the place. The reason for him capturing it was in fact rescue it because I think it was King Minos intended to sacrifice the bull to kill it and his task was to capture it rescue it and bring it back to a sacred island and that he did now the bull is a symbol of the very physical desires we have it's the aggression the sexuality that the body has obviously the bull has the whole sort of feel of bull is very earthy it has that earthy power it's not the same kind of power that the lion has it's a different quality now unlike with the issue with the lion the issue with the bull was not that he killed it the issue with the bull is he had to capture it and he actually rode it to a sacred island what we're talking about there the bull could be considered either the power of nature or in a more personal sense the power of our body this power needs to be ridden in other words needs to be controlled and taken to a sacred island in other words we need to control it for what our higher goals are the goals of our heart if you, you will the goal of the soul or whatever terminology you're using it is not an issue of killing it. What we're doing now is killing the bull. We're killing nature. In a lot of the spiritual disciplines are involved with killing our own personal nature. That's killing our own personal bull based on suppression. The violence done to our own feeling nature within this sort of religious context is really quite horrendous. taken symbolically if everything natural about ourselves you repress and push down then to extend that then the equivalent outside uh, is the ecology, nature which you also repress and push down and this is effectively what in the latter stages of the Piscean Age under this fundamentalist 
sort of puritanical view has been done essentially they're the same act the importance of acknowledging and putting into context the physical life with a spiritual context is paramount for us living in harmony with the natural world now if this issue is not faced by humanity as a whole then forget it this is merely an academic discussion you know everything rests on this as a group as a, a world understanding this point the bull was taken to a holy island nature was made sacred next we come to the other square of Scorpio now Scorpio is always fun to talk about because it's so sordid <laughs> no offence to any Scorpios <laughs> but it always creates the uh, have I seen a Scorpio over there? Anyway. <laughs> No, I mean Scorpios is. is George Trevelyan is Scorpio. Oh right, right. No, that was that was tongue in cheek and not meant to cause offence to anybody. <laughs> but um, still, let's see. Now Scorpio is connected with the subconscious mind. One of the rulers of Scorpio, the planet Pluto, was discovered in the 1930s. Now, when the meaning of planets are ascertained, um, that's the new planets at least, one looks at what was happening at the time of their discovery, and that is often linked to, to what they mean. Now, during the 1930s, we had discovery of nuclear energy, which is what's underneath the roots of matter. We also had the work of Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, which peered into the roots of how our psyches works and so the whole issue of the subconscious mind that concept, okay we're so aware of everything but there's another side for day there is night, for our consciousness there is the subconscious and so this issue came into being so Scorpio is very connected to the subconscious mind as every Scorpio will usually find out now, following in the tracks of, of this awareness of the subconscious mind uh, and the psychological development showed that the mind must be considered as a whole you can't identify with one half of it but the whole of it must be identified with for a psychological health so following that really we've got the whole ground for holistic medicine to come out that again considers the body-mind as one so you've got a whole interaction with subtle energies within the body being intimately connected with the mind, attitude and emotions and all must be taken as one unit so really for Scorpio I'm sort of attaching the issue of holistic medicine in other words an alignment with our subconscious nature as being vital issue there I'll describe one myth um, from Hercules again and this is his eighth uh, labour where he must fight a hydra now in this context like the symbols for Scorpio you, you have um, a snake as being a symbol for Scorpio a scorpion itself 
there's another symbol, uh, uh, the eagle is a symbol of transmuted Scorpio because as we'll see, Scorpio is actually a whole uh, about transmutation it's about a change, a transformation that occurs now uh, the Hydra is this sort of um, elaborate snake really it's got, it had nine heads or so uh, one head was immortal it lived in this sort of stagnant swamp that sort of stank to blazes and this is, is sort of remarkably similar to the discoveries of Freud <laughs> now Hercules' task was to go and to slay the Hydra again we've got an issue of killing and at this point I'll highlight when in this something is captured and controlled that's exactly what you're talking about when something is killed it's equivalent of a sacrifice and shows a transmutation so when the lion was killed and the skin worn it showed a transmutation when the bull was captured it didn't show any transmutation but a control but here in Scorpio again we've got a killing so we're talking about transmutation again so anyway Hercules had to trek through this swamp that had extended for seven miles now um, there's an issue of, of like there being seven planes anyone's heard that and then in each plane you get seven sub-planes generally the seven is, is like a whole world unto itself so this seven miles show this is a whole world we're talking about um, in this case a subconscious world so he had to confront the Hydra after a, a long search then he had to fight it now the problem was is, is that it, it proved pretty difficult to fight because when he cut one of the heads off another one or maybe two I'm not sure grew in its place so how do you kill a thing that every time you cut something off something else grew in its place but anyway he had been given some advice about how to do this and on following this what he did is drop down to his knees and lift the whole hydra up above the earth now when it lost contact with the ground it also lost its power and it withered and all the heads withered except one which is the immortal head and he chopped that off and put it under a stone in the end he shoved it under a rock and that's how Hercules slew the Hydra now symbolically if we read this whole issue of chopping a head off and more one more grows in the whole area not directly holistic medicine but the sort of self-improvement when we try and improve ourselves and we have a fault here we've got to get rid of this fault because we want to improve ourselves so we chop that fault off and we think right that's one gone <laughs> yeah do I have to go on? <laughs> yeah. the issue is we're dealing with a subconscious mind and the subconscious mind behaves like the hydra behaves the issue is to lift the whole thing up it comes into the light now that's not I think Freud made a mistake with his analysis because this is the whole thing about psychoanalysis you analyse the whole thing and that supposedly makes it going away 
Uh, in effect, how it seemed to turn out with Freud analysis is that after 10 years of Freud analysis, you knew all about your neurosis, but you still had it. And this has been the trend. It, it doesn't really work. In the lifting it up to the light, we're really talking about bringing it under the light of reason. Now, in that phrase, the light of reason, has, I believe, been somewhat misunderstood. The light is not reason itself. Light, the light symbolism, isn't logic. It is the light that inspires logic and clear reasoning. So it's not a matter of dividing it up and thinking about this hydra. It is actually lifting it up into the light, which is, and we can come back to Prometheus there, uh, the intuitive awareness offering it up to the spirit, really, in effect. With the puritanical, um, sort of, distorted Christianity, I emphasize that distorted, because Jesus seems not to be like that at all. But there's a thing of, of hiding away what you don't like and what you're ashamed of. But that's not really the issue at all. You lift it up. You get under it and you lift it up and that shows you what is there and in the end there's not all these hundreds of, of little faults that we have usually there's, there's just one or two and when we can lift it up like that we can just lop off those heads and all the others disappear anyway but you can only tell which is the immortal head after you've lifted it up while it's still stuck entrenched in the swamp and while you're still messing about in the swamp ashamed of it all you can't tell what the immortal head is. And so you chop off all these heads thinking, I'm going to self-improve, I'm going to get better. Once you've identified the one head, now the, one, the, the snake is specifically part of the animal nature. The Scorpio is opposite Taurus. The bull is the desire nature itself. Scorpio is really an essence it's very, very connected to sexuality, um, in actual fact. So, you know, you've you got that from Garden of Eden stuff and the serpent symbolism there. So, in sticking the one head under the stone, you've really purified the whole issue. So, you've just got one issue. And that one issue you're holding under, like, a persistent will, but you're aware of where it is but you've just got one issue there, really. And the serpent represents that root animal desire, which is, when you boil it down to procreate, continuation of the species. Everything from nature is geared to that. And so, um, this is sort of that one snake and sticking it under a stone, I believe. I think there's more symbolism there that I can fathom in actual fact. So I think there's more more to come on because that one. I was wondering your, your source you know yeah. whether or not you're following some kind of uh, um, knowledge that somebody's worked out maybe at other times like Madam whatever you like to call mm. or, you know Alice something mm. or, uh, <laughs> oh Alice you yeah. what I mean you know yeah. names yeah. somebody's already worked this out mm. and you're following and maybe veneering a little bit here and there for your own personal appreciation of it because I, I was thinking parallel to you, I was wondering indeed if you are the centre, we are the centre, human 
man concept are at the centre. And we're dealing with Taurus and Mars and what have you. Uh, right, right, I understand why you need to befriend the bull and direct him to the holy island. Uh, but I'm wondering indeed whether the serpent needs to be killed and not locked to, uh, if you like, have a serpent as a friend, you know? Yes, I don't think the Hydra saw Hercules chopping its head off as being a very friendly act. No. <laughs> You're not making a friend of it. You are severely controlling it. But what you are doing is lifting it up to the light. You are equally not running away from it. The stench from the swamp is because we don't like that. We'll go somewhere else. You know, we don't want to face this. You're not actually making a friend of it. On a more subtle level as well, we're talking about the energies which make us up. And you can deal with it on this energy level. You cannot run away from that energy it must be approached and to understand that energy in Scorpio again within ourselves is really understanding the very fundamental desires we have but equally it's outwardly it's understanding the essential energies of nature and that cannot be run away from yeah eliminating that and putting it under a stone hmm. you'll be the last one to do it won't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah, the groups that have, have all come together in celibacy have tended to die out. <laughs> but equally with the bull you're not befriending the bull you are controlling the bull. See, it's not an issue of saying hi, I'm here, let's be mates, I'm going to rescue you this bull is going to be rescued, you're going to direct it where you intend it to the issue of control the contrast between Taurus and uh, Scorpio is one of controlling the direction of your desires to transmuting those desires itself yeah well I, I mean I don't want to be devil's advocate but I could say you best control animals, wild or domestic, by love again and not need force and if you've ever dealt with bulls you realise you can take a ball anywhere if you treat it kindly. Well, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. And you're just walking back. I thought, I thought you started out by saying you, you didn't want to love um, the hydra there. I, yes, I want to love the ball, I want to buy the hydra. Oh, do you want to love the hydra as well? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. A loving stroke. Yes, yes. Not necessarily. <laughs> Come to terms with it and understand it. The love that you're talking about in context of the hydra would be the willingness to offer it up into the light yeah? remember we're not literally talking about animals we're talking about the energies that make yeah. us up I'm just, yeah? I'm just wondering I started off, if I can remind you saying where was your source that I can understand perhaps the oh where was my source, what, where I get information from I can understand a little bit better what you meant by definitions of killing this, killing that I'm saying, is there a parallel alternative? That, that's all. Because well, I'm, I'm, I'm liking what you're saying, if I may say so. Uh, but I was wanting to know a little bit more clearer, um, a little bit in depth. Well, I can elaborate on that. I can't really tell you precisely my source. No. Though. But, um, yeah, generally. generally. But there, there's a lot of things come together. The interpretations, I mean, the source, I could say, well, Carl Jung. I could say, you know, traditional astrology, I could say 
Kabbalah, I could say a lot of sources all, all come together. So I can't really so say it, it, what's my source. Really well, whatever, you know, yeah, it's okay. not really important. <laughs> hmm. Either it makes sense or it doesn't really. <laughs> you know. But anyway, the issue of um, death and killing, really, because Scorpio is also the, the sign associated with death. If you consider the idea of levels or different dimensions or, or, or planes to the universe, yeah? when subtle forces on one level come together, two, they will create a third, and the third on the lower level. Okay? From the level of, of the upper level, it's a death. So, relate that spiritually, um, to the spirit world, we die when we incarnate for instance. So, th- on that form level, there's a death. You know, what you're left with is an empty shell. But on the higher level, there's a birth. Just as on the way down, there was a, a death above, but a birth below. So, birth and death, or death and birth, are related and show a transmutation of energy going up or down. See the issue? Yeah? So, we are talking symbolically. And in a in a sort of cruder way, you, you know, you can die in love, you know, or you, you, you get the whole drift of that. It's not in opposition to love, you know. If you love unconditionally, then you love any situation, no matter what it is, whether it involves death or not. That was his eighth labour. Now, to try and loop it round into holistic medicine, still, I want to talk about the myth of Chiron. Now, the myth of Chiron has come up quite a lot lately due to, uh, due to that a, a planetoid was discovered um, in astrology between, I think, the orbits of Saturn and Uranus and it was named Chiron. It was discovered in 1977, about the same time of the great growth in um, holistic medicine. Now, Again, this is Greek. Chiron was um, a centaur, so he was half horse, half man. Now there was the issue there, he was half animal, half human. So he's showing a sort of development of consciousness from an animal state to a human state, but a kind of a slightly midway point. Um, He was very much the Greek equivalent of a shaman. He was a herbalist, a healer, a teacher. He taught many of the Greek heroes their stuff, amongst them Hercules. Now, for some reason a, a fight or something broke out and accidentally Hercules wounded Chiron in the leg with a poisoned arrow that was poisoned by the blood of the Hydra. Because one of the things he did after he killed it was he used the Hydra's blood as poisoned arrows. Now, what this sort of shows, it wasn't the human part of the centaur that was hurt, it was the animal part that was hurt. Chiron was the development from animal to human, or part way to human. Now, the Hydra is showing a negative side, of this uh, sort of negative from our point of view at least, of part of nature, an energy of nature. Equally, like for instance, a positive aspect would be the Kundalini serpent, for instance, which would come also 
in Scorpio. Yeah. So the Hydra shows this distortion. It is the, the negative face of, of nature. You know, the, the the terrible face of nature. And if you combine this, we're looking at that in the development of consciousness, in the development of mind, as a result of Hercules' quest, that is, our development and expansion of our, our consciousness, then we wound the animal. The wound did not heal. Chiron was the healer, but he could not heal himself. The poison wouldn't go away, and so he was permanently uh, wounded by this, this poison. Chiron was immortal, and so he was faced with this dilemma of living forever in this pain. Now the resolution of this problem he had came about, and this is it kind of links on in to the myth of Prometheus. Prometheus, I mentioned in regard to Aquarius, Prometheus stole fire from Mount Olympus, from heaven, and gave it to man. He brought it down. So you got this whole gist that Chiron was the development from the animal to human. Prometheus is the descent of spirit into flesh, the descent coming down. In Greek mythology, Zeus wasn't very happy by this, and he I crucified Prometheus on a rock where every morning griffins would come out and pluck out his liver and by night he'd heal up only to have the same thing happen again. So Prometheus was also in eternal agony having brought fire down. So we've got a very much mirroring of two issues. Something coming up, the development of animal to a, moving towards a spiritual being and the descent of spiritual into the animal in the Prometheus myth. Now, the resolution that Chiron found was that he swapped places with Prometheus because Chiron was fed up of being constant pain. He chose to die. He swapped places with Prometheus and so was able to be released by being killed by the griffins and was then immortalized by being set in the stars by Zeus. So at the same time he was immortalized, he just went straight up. And Prometheus was freed from his uh, torture. Now Chiron is very, very connected. He was the holistic healer. And so the whole issue of holistic health revolves around that of balancing energies and in this particular uh, issue it's our development as an animal into human and what would be a word harmonizing that that's, that's the wrong word matching that up with us being spirit coming into being human there's an issue to be resolved there and right now I'm not pretending to actually give the answer to that issue the myth are showing that there is an issue to sort out there for us to fully resolve it. it I link it up to Scorpio because it's the Hydra's blood, that poison that does the wound. So in our development we wound ourselves and that somehow we need to heal 
in order to get a full circuit, a force as it were, going round. Is that clear? Any questions on that? It's a bit of a... Do you want to question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I want to question. Anyway, the situation was resolved by this swap. Would that be why so many healers nowadays do have illnesses of one sort or another? Yeah, that would be a very good example. Good question. <laughs> That's the one I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of uh, <laughs> the known sort of syndrome of, of, of that being wounded and needing to heal mm. yeah would be very much part of that and this is looking at the solution and it's a subtle kind of solution yeah. but well, it's a lot of people who, do, who give psychiatric counselling also have that's right yeah. Problems yeah. or, or psychological problems of one sort or another yeah but what we're contrasting one the Prometheus is a spiritual issue mm. the descent of, of the spirit down descent of fire the Chiron issue is a natural one, the, r- the raising and evolution of animal. Mm. See, between the two, there's something to be resolved, mm. and that's what the myth is showing. They've got to swap places mm. so, uh, uh, somewhere, but it's a it is the plight of humanity itself, not merely a, a personal one. Mm. You know, to be human and to be spiritual. It's also a paradox of modern technology, really. Yeah. It's both healing and it's, it's wounded yeah. as well. Yeah. It? Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be the ideal man, given the way he's uh, basic, the wounded animal, and uh, aligning with the sacred fire? And then he would get the combination that probably get you through the difficulty. Yes. That's, that's the drift of it. It's indicating a, the necessity to transmute a force, definitely. And, but it's also quite clearly indicating there are two forces, above and below, have got, got to be met. But the situation which we've inherited in our culture is one of suppression. So you haven't even gone to this, this swamp the Hydra is yet to be collectively negotiated. The Chiron didn't solve this problem of being essential, though. By spirited way, he was still essential. He became... He was half animal, half human. Yeah, he became immortalised. So, he simply transcended the whole problem. But he didn't do it on his own, you see. He had to do it by negotiating with something else. So, he couldn't do it on his own. He had to refer to Prometheus's plight. You see, they both had a similar plight. Both were being constantly wounded. You see, but for opposing reasons. Prometheus, because he brought fire down. And Chiron was wounded as an offshoot of the quest of Hercules, which was the quest to develop and self-mastery. See, so it's really looking and indicating a crisis point of development where the whole quest itself, the whole issue of developing yourself and becoming more spiritual suddenly does great harm to the animal nature and that's got to be resolved somehow. Do you think this is what is happening with the sort of bringing in by groups of lots of Indian wisdom and uh, working with the earth? Yes, I do. Yes. Yes, I think so. 
think that's a very important part of it. Yeah. And, and linking back into this sort of knowledge, of shamanistic knowledge, was fiercely repressed you know, during the Inquisition, you say. So the, the European knowledge of that is sort of somewhat obliterated, not entirely. Oh, yes. But, but it's, it's like the Cathars weren't that aesthetic. It's like they saw most of them before they came priests in, in that order, or not priests, I forget exactly what they were called, they'd had a normal family life. Okay. Yes, that's right. They'd had a normal family life, and it was like they'd fulfilled their self in nature, and then they did that. Now, it wasn't this fierce, I shouldn't do that, that's wrong, kind of asceticism that the puritanical Christians tend to have. It's different orientation. Anyway, that, that's... To tie up the... Uh, Scorpio bit there's the, one of the rulers of Aquarius is the planet Uranus and it's called exalted in Scorpio now the exaltation sign of a planet shows sometimes where it draws its power from and that's a kind of indication again about this relationship if Prometheus is more about spiritual power coming down and from the sort of uh, technicalities of astrology we say that the ruler of Aquarius is, is Uranus but is exalted in Scorpio it's a kind of indication that this power released by the transmutation the, the transmutation of a basic animal force is a power source for the higher mind if that makes uh, sense yeah? Are you kind of saying in a rough, in a good way, that uh, the energy within the unconscious is there almost infinitely and um, you know to, to completion? I think going through the subconscious, we can get to a very universal energy. And I'm saying really that that energy needs to be transmuted, and then can be used for our higher minds. I'm saying if that energy is ignored or run away from or suppressed as, as our culture has done then a vital source of our personal power is missing you know and within our culture that would be a heretical statement you know in the, from the sort of Catholic Vatican point of view you know that's big trouble that's, that's saying that there's a use for the serpent you know so it's a tricky one in our culture to deal with you know, from another culture it's not much problem but in our culture there's heavy things associated with it Can I just say one point? Mm -hmm. You said the eagle and the serpent you haven't mentioned the scorpion and you haven't mentioned the dove The dove? Yeah, no. I don't think, yeah, I don't see a dove as being a symbol of Scorpio so much well it is nevertheless considered by um, those that study that type of thing mm. significant you know whether we we think it is or not it's there it's like the myth well if, if we yeah if, if we relate eagle and, and dove to both birds say I'll deal with that one that's stepping slightly out of the Greek myth into um, astrological s symbolism so the 
the serpent would be the root force that Scorpio is dealing with the scorpion is like a beginning of development of that but it's still like a sorry, sorry about this, but yeah. you get this you get it. <laughs> I'm just answering his question you see yeah. the, the scorpion is a development or somewhat, hardly a development at all really about on the, on the same level I'd say but it's that self-destructiveness about the scorpion the, the sting in its tail, pure instinct it's reptile sort of instinct it's supposed to be a grey lizard which is about the halfway house which is not really one thing and not another and all under those symbols shows on an individual level um, a scorpion or a person who has not transmuted the energy when it moves into flight with the normal symbol of the eagle but maybe the dove as well if you like then you're showing a transmutation of force so the eagle rises above the whole thing sometimes you've got an eagle with a snake in its claws yeah but that flight shows that transmutation again you know there's very much coming through this there's an up down and a movement between the two and that movement upwards becomes transmuted then that eagle shows a complete mastery and is a transmuted symbol the sign Scorpio and whether it's appropriate to an individual depends on whether an individual has transmuted that force I was thinking the eagle was perception as well Tele- telescopic eyes I gather the eagle but the dove has always been the symbol of, of love and I'm wondering whether or not the aggressive well, of the, the advancement is from those stages from the scorpion to the eagle and then to the dove which is the peace within. Yeah, I quite honestly, I mean, I, I'm not sure about the dove symbolism for Scorpio. I don't really see the dove as being part of Scorpio. So it's like the great perception of the eagle would be an indication of the result of that transmutive force, i.e., heightened and intensified perception, ability to see accurately over a wide landscape. And oh, rather coincidentally, it's also a symbol of the cathars that you just been talking about. Oh, right, I didn't realise that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but the dove I would see as being being different. I mean, the dove is often Holy Spirit, mm. and that could be more connected to like the planet Venus, for instance, of, of love, because Aphrodite had a dove as a symbol. So almost not directly. I mean, Taurus um, isn't exactly the Holy Spirit, but in its connection with Venus, I'd, I'd almost say eagle and and dove would be balancing but it's really I wouldn't associate the dove with Scorpio that much I might be wrong but I wouldn't personally I'm sure you'll think about it I'm sure I will (laughs) but anyway I must move on to tie this up now to sum up this Taurus Scorpio polarity here that is both squaring um, Aquarius with Taurus there's not a transmutation of force there's very much a control you control where your desires are going but you're quite free to enjoy them with Scorpio there's a distinct transmutation of desire now as this is a whole cycle then it's like everything has its time now in the old Celtic calendar Beltane lay in Taurus and was the beginning of summer Okay. Scorpio 
the time in Scorpio, which was um, summer, was the beginning of winter. So what we're really saying there is that in the rhythm of life, you know, there's a time to enjoy things under control, which is summertime, and a time to transmute things, which is wintertime. Yeah? So you're talking about a cyclic development. And unless that kind of cyclic development is seen, then you can't really make sense of that. Because it's like, do you do this or do you do that? Well, it's a whole cyclic thing. You know, you enjoy yourself at one time and you transmute at another time. Yeah, so you're moving in a rhythm. Go back to um, Greek mythology again. The, and to relay what was uh, in Hercules' myth, the eleventh labour. Now the eleventh has been associated with Aquarius because it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh sign round. Now his eleventh labour, he set the task of cleaning some royal stables that hadn't been cleaned for something like thirty years. And again there was a mighty stench built up and because of that a pestilence of, and um, disease was spreading across the land. Um, to do this task, what he did, there were two rivers that flowed quite close by the stables and he diverted the course of the two rivers. He broke down part of the walls of the stables so the rivers could flow through the stables and so completely clean them. Now Aquarius is the sign of the water carrier and so somebody is directing a jet of water, a flow of water. They're not personally getting their hands wet. It shows a kind of an understanding and a control. The issue of two rivers shows an understanding of polarity, how two forces are operating together. The symbol of cleaning the stables is a very collective one in that these stables haven't been cleaned is a huge stench and what needs to be done is the whole, the collective needs to be cleaned through an understanding of the use of this polarity of the two rivers seems to me that's quite an apt description of what we're faced with as we move into Aquarius through understanding of polarity, through understanding how opposing forces in the universe, yin and yang, always two, through understanding how that works, we have the capacity to relatively easy, if we understand, cleanse society and control that level of being with that understanding. The implication is that one river was yin and the other was yang. Presumably. Yeah, you could, could do it. But you've got duality there. Just as uh, the planet Uranus was exalted in Scorpio, equally a planet that rules Scorpio, one called Pluto, is often considered to be exalted in Aquarius. So that planet has a bearing on Aquarius. Now, when individuals undergo Pluto transits, they're very often confronted with a sort of... Um, situation that could be considered quite horrendous. No particular way out of that situation. The challenge that Pluto brings in and its sort of message and its influence 
is one that there must be a change or that unit will die that change is a very specific one, it's evolve when there's that influence of Pluto the background of Scorpio coming in as it does with Uranus through this exaltation the message is very much you must now evolve or you will die and that seems to me quite an accurate depiction of what we're faced with so there are these three principal ways that we've got to negotiate to bring out the highest quality of Aquarius one is mastering the lion and, and so taking charge of our animal nature and sacrificing somewhat but in balance as we've got an opposition our own personal wishes and ambitions to a higher purpose, a more collective purpose to do with being able to control and direct the basic animal instincts as in Taurus and then the ability to transmute those basic instincts all those are like critical issues for Aquarius that turn out in a positive sense and so is as a sort of mundane astrologer assessing that that would be the principal things in evolve or die thank you very much I wonder if you've done your market research not for the next 2000 but for the 4000 cycle to see whether or not uh, the attributes that are will be demanded in that era mm. so we have some kind of idea of focusing beyond the 2000 it's very much like saying if you're going to build a house you've got to imagine 100 years hence what the surroundings mm. would be like so what kind of sign? Is it um, Capricorn? Capricorn's an earth sign. It's to do with building up for a specific aim, building something up. So, um, what? World unity, I well, say if everything goes nicely and, and good, then during Aquarius you'll get a world unity. And then it's like uh, Capricorn would be what you're then going to do with a world unity maybe that sort of drift yeah. I must say I haven't really got that far in my thinking I'm going to go the other way go backwards just a thought where would Atlantis fit in oh right that's <laughs> good actually I mean <laughs> now Atlantis I mean this isn't this is obviously a whole set of myths I won't my own personal opinion whether it's true or not entirely irrelevant but often Atlantis has been associated with the age of Leo the one exactly opposite and so that's been put forward as the reason why the legends of Atlantis is coming up a great deal equally the kind of technology we've got now that we use machines, electronics to do the issue that, or the legends say that in Leo similar things were done but with a different kind of energy using mind power more so we've got an echo of what was happening in Atlantis um, whether that's a mythological thing or uh, an actual thing I'm in no position to say but yeah yeah very much so opposite there
what sort of um, changes we, do you expect in the age of Aquarius? I mean, the, the New Age teachings and channel teachings tend to be divided, apparently, maybe this is just a superficial thing, divided between those that talk about this dimension of physical matter ending altogether and being superseded very rapidly, as in the ascension tapes, you know, by something much higher, uh, by something that we n- would now call etheric or... Mm. Devocanic or something like that, an entire vibration of matter altogether, and so our whole physical infrastructure here will disappear by uh, taking the the uh, Mayan factor, you know, that book by Arthur, mm. um, mm. by about 2012, if you take that sort of thing. Mm. I'm not sure if our way says that it will all disappear, but um, certainly the ascension tapes imply that, 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 that this is the entire. The physical frequency is going to be superseded by something of a different frequency altogether. Now, then others talk about it taking um, a very long time, say a few hundred years, for this to happen. And others talk as if we're going to remain in this physical frequency completely for almost you know, for a very long period, as, as the sort of more traditional theosophical teachings, mm. for example, would say. Steiner's uh, not quite clear what he would say about this. I think he would keep us in the physical for some time. <coughs> and this baby hedges her bets, rather, uh, Tibetan person, uh, as far as I can see. Um, so what's your view of, um, when you, uh, obviously the age of Aquarius, is, as you were saying, the key note is it's going to be much greater flexibility and n- not the rigid commitments and all that sort of thing. Uh, but does that mean that physical matter is actually going to be a lot less hard and rigid and hard-edged as well? Mm. Well, first of all, it's like, as far as, as an astrologer I'm speaking, mm. um, not a visionary, you know, not, um, it has been revealed to me, stuff. Um, socially, if we're still around, then the age of Aquarius may be a time of great flexibility, but may not. It could be a time of dictatorship and mind control. Mm. Largely whether these issues are negotiated mm. and, and done or not. Because there's this fundamental thing of we must evolve or we're threatened with being wiped out from the ecological uh, crisis alone. I mean, the nuclear sort of uh, threat seems to have abated somewhat over the last few years but if I was to stick the nuclear thing there then that would have to come under Scorpio as well um, it was disco- nuclear power was really brought out at the same time as psychology and the unconscious Scorpio being a square too yes that's right so um, so the threatening issues of destruction are, are both there now if I look back to what I said about death being a transmutation you know, if you die on one plane, you get born on another. I think because of those issues, then we will change, we will transmute. The question is only how we will transmute. Now, in a sort of spiritual progress, then really one should master a level before transcending it. If you transcend it without mastering it, you've simply lost uh, control of a level that we're going to change levels must be because if we don't negotiate these problems and gain the ability to transmute energy and transmute 
what we wish and all this kind of stuff then we'll be transmuted I will be wiped out yeah so I'll just finish that point just there really what I would say is uh, yes we're going to be changing levels whether we're still on physical level seems to me whether we properly master the tasks or not because if we don't then we won't be <laughs> um, if you get what I mean yes so you're saying that to remain on this physical three-dimensional level and therefore having still have physical bodies and cars and houses and things like that or you know and live in the physical with the physical planet as we know it's mm. now around us and all the weather and the plants mm. and everything um, that will be a sign of a good sign to be a sign of progress that we I think so yeah to remain in it that's right and that you think it would be a bad sign if if we get engulfed in tidal waves and etc and go to a higher level because we won't really have learned the lessons of this level that would be my feeling but it's like as, as, an, as an astrologer describing something it's sort of immaterial I'm merely describing patterns and cycles um, I would prefer to still be around and have access to subtler dimensions as well yeah you know either. yeah you think we'll, we'll master the art of going at will into higher dimensions while being in physical body if we master the techniques of transmutation of energy and control of energy then yes mm -hmm. so we've got to master those things in order to solve the ecological problems at least and also, of course, we'll be establishing contact with intelligences elsewhere, won't we? Unexpected things are, mm. you know, very in keeping with Aquarius. But, as I say, what I'm describing is, is specifically from an astrological format. Mm. In describing what's happening within that criteria, I'm not describing belief systems. Mm. None of this is what I believe. Mm. This is merely the result of. Uh, using an astrological format to make a judgment about something you know this is distinctly not a belief system mm. now this is something which I would conclude not something I would believe mm. yeah so I, I don't know you know it, it's, it's, I'm not here to say I know anything I'm merely predicting cycles mm. according to this format yeah. okay. what is your interpretation of energy? energy? Wow. <laughs> right. Energy in uh, from let's let's take it on a on the thing of physics. Energy is something that will cause and affect. It will cause something to happen or tend to cause something to happen. When we apply it to a human system we can talk about psychic energy now just in the materialistic way we could say that's nervous energy um, so I have a thought of moving my arm and I move it yeah there's a whole lot of physical um, energy released in the muscular movements but there's also a nervous energy um, controlling that um, if you get more subtler then we move into a realm where you describe psychic energy which in no way would be different, it would have exactly the same effects but simply on a subtler level yeah? so the energy would be an essence that has a tendency to do something it has in a, on a sort of subtler way a certain kind of an intent perhaps but on, on what level 
one calls the energy it depends on one's philosophy yeah? <coughs> was you wanting to? Yeah, you might you put something across the way there saying your belief system well of course all that you've said is according to your belief system whether you use it as tools for your particular mm. so I, I must insist this is not my belief system no okay mm. that was definition mm. uh, it's like any more than if you say do you believe in, in your motor car you know if, if it works you believe in it if it don't work you kick it and throw it out you know it is not my belief system. I must underline that. Well, fine. <laughs> fine. Um, I'll, uh, I'll put that one aside uh, and say that uh, in using the analogy of, of, of the centre theme of what you've been saying this afternoon, perhaps Hercules, um, doing all those labours, achieved. Um, victory over himself hmm. but uh, I would think it would be most arrogant of Hercules to feel that he was the only person in existence to go on with what Nigel into that I think was there's probably an over over intelligent and not going to allow as it were another portion of creation to imbalance the cosmic balance hmm. and, and I feel perhaps that while he may be cleaning out stables and flying like an eagle and all those type of things I think also there's Zeus there wondering you know just what is Hercules going to do and if he fails uh, he will step in I think you know there is there is an intelligence well during Hercules uh, labour that is not a belief system yeah. that is Hercules so abstract thought yeah during Hercules' labours, he was serving a master at the time that would be an overseeing intelligence. It, it's just that um, from the astrological format as a science, I could make no comment on that one way or the other, you see. So, personally, I would think, yeah, sounds good to me. But from, as an astrologer, I couldn't say anything one way or the other. There's no sign I could say, yes, that, that indicates this or indicates that and to test it mm. you know I approach this I, I'd like to feel I'd like to feel what you were saying about the belief system and just to get back to it and saying that uh, the attributes of the different signs uh, if studied in well in detail mm. you would find positive and negative aspects of each sign and so really you know it's like looking at your 12 signs in the paper you can jump them about and, and decide whatever you're going to do that day is, is justified by the zodiac reading in the in the paper that day. Uh, I feel that the positive and negative of those things gives an indication, but it's so vague. Mm. I wonder, the, I'm not that fat that the, the, deals with this thing. The heroic quest. Like the heroic quest is very much to do um, with the mastery over the personality. In um, astrology, in, in like uh, Renaissance times and things, um, astrology was practiced very much in conjunction with the tree of life uh, in Europe um, in latter day Europe that, that was uh, the Kabbalah and that indicated different levels so as a sort of pictorial representation of that the zodiac would have a certain operation on a certain level um, it seems to me sort of vital and part of the, the quest as it were in inverted commas 
to be able to move above that level. Um, the sort of meditation which is, is the essential core, I, I commented on the Aquarius itself, of how to achieve that inspiration as coming down from a level higher than the personality. And so through that, then the personality can be mastered. I don't personally think that the personality can be mastered without that higher context. And so moving above the whole issue of the signs uh, is fundamental to be able to actually use them. Otherwise, each sign is just another stereotype, another straitjacket to put yourself in. Yeah. So that would be the spiritual dimension to um, the um, zodiac. Uh, when I spoke about belief systems, I was not negating the spiritual aspect of things, but I feel that the, the spiritual worlds are there to be perceived directly, not merely believed in, because belief, in a sense, cuts you off from perceiving it. You know, um, uh, I would be a Gnostic from that, that point, of, point of view. So the actual thoughts and ideas and structures that we put this knowledge in are purely for the benefits of our everyday minds. Yeah, so this is a model of reality. This model of reality may be useful or may not be useful, but it should never ever be believed in because it isn't reality. You know, there are realities far broader than this or any other system. Those systems are only there to train the mind to be able to appreciate and apprehend that greater reality more directly, if you get my drift.